Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. It's time to sit down and it's time to drink a little bit of beer and talk about the Bible. It's episode number 173, where the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are happy to be back with you for another week of the Beers and Bible podcast. What? Um, what? Anthony, you said it's time to sit down. But what if what if people are like listening to our podcast while they run well, or then- work out or... I feel sorry for those people because they can't drink beer and run and work out at the same time. So maybe they're shopping. <laughs> there's, there's so you, you don't sit down in the middle of the Walmart. Just don't do that, please. <laughs> We're going to sit guy. down. <laughs> We're sitting down. We're going to drink beer and talk about the Bible. That's for sure. So that's right. But, uh, yeah. How you doing, man? I'm good. We're, uh, we're, we're kicking it. Staying busy. Uh, my son's good. Uh, last day of pre-K was this week. So Ooh, school his graduate his graduation was last week, but then his last day of school was yesterday. So I don't I don't know how that how that works out, but uh, he starts kindergarten in the fall. Nice, which is which is crazy. So good times, good times. Growing how, children. Yep. How are you doing? Man, I have been uh, I have been slower than I am right now. Uh, we're we're seems like we're wide open. Got a got a lot of stuff happening. Uh, of course, it's summertime. Summertime is always a busy in in the uh, business that I work in. So we're getting geared up for summer. Uh, getting all that going. Um, you know, our kids. Of course, we homeschool, so we're you know we're the weird parents that homeschool their kids. So we like it's kind of weird because we don't have those dividing days of like schools out and then school starts back. It just kind of like muds all together like a a flowing mm-hmm. river. Um, yeah. But uh, other than that, man, it's just uh, it's just another week. It's getting hot down here. I love the summertime because it's hot and I hate cold weather. I would rather it be 117 degrees than to be 17 degrees. Um, that's just me. It's a personal opinion. I don't I don't mind sweating. So, you know, if you want to hate me for that, then that's perfectly fine. But tonight we are going to do what we normally do, which is sit down, uh, talk. We're going to drink a couple of beers. Um, we're going to talk about the gospel of Mark tonight. It's going to be a good time. Good discussion. Um, we are going to divide Mark up just like we did Matthew over a couple of weeks. So we make sure we kind of cover the basis as needed, but you know, before we get to our Bible discussion, we need to drink at least try a new beer. And so, Michael, what beer do you have for tonight? So tonight I have a new brewery to the podcast. I have for, this is a great name. I love it. From Tripping Animals Brewing Company, based in Doral, 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 Florida. Doral, Florida. Doral. Yep. Yeah. So um, there's a I great have, golf club down there. I have. Oh, that's cool. I, I, You've played 
uh, half the rounds of golf <laughs> I've played have been with you. So um, <laughs> that was only one. Or did we play two? Did have we? Pl- it doesn't matter. I have the high C punch <laughs> fruit in uh, fruit punch inspired ale, a fruit punch inspired sour ale with Ooh. orange, pineapple, and berries. Six uh, percent ABV. The can is what caught my eye. Um, when I, I have vivid memories as a kid, uh, my parents would get those um, packets of high C juice boxes. Oh heck yeah, man! And uh, like the fruit punch was always my favorite. Like it's always been my favorite, dude. Fruit so, punch is the best. It is. It really is. So high C punch, um, and you know the. Uh, when was it a couple of weeks ago that I had a beer that has canned like in January or something mm-hmm. um, or longer? Uh, anyway, uh, this one was canned on April 28th. So this one is only a month old. Nice. So we're, I'm getting a little bit better at finding <laughs> stuff that's, <laughs> that's more, not expired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It hasn't gone bad or something. So oh, I'm drinking man. the high C punch. What are you drinking, Anthony? So tonight I have from the, B R L O Berlo maybe I don't know. Um, it's a German. They're from Berlin. Uh, is that in Germany or is that in Switzerland? Berlin is Germany. Germany. That's what I thought. Okay, so from Berlin, uh, it's called Happy Pills, and you can just read into that what you want. <laughs> it's called Happy Pills. It's a pilsner, so you know, no, we're not taking pills here. Um, but it's a just a regular old German pilsner. Call, they call it a new age pilsner. I don't know what's any different about that. But they say it's a joy to drink. Noble hops bring a citrus note to this flowery, fruity beer complemented by a pleasant bitterness. Now, I have never heard the words pleasant bitterness used in the same sentence before. I feel like that's a, a paradox or an oxymoron. Seems like, yeah, say, seems like an oxymoron. But we're going to see what happens here. Uh, it says, like a pilsner, only hoppier. So this could very well get into like IPA territory because IPAs are very hoppy. Um, we're going to find out though. It comes in at 4.9 ABV. Um, so the the can is kind of fun because it, it literally just looks like a bunch of like pills. That's cool. Yeah. So, and it says happy pills and you know, everybody has their happy pills, I guess. I was about to say, maybe that's supposed to be your happy pills. Maybe it will. So, well, let's crack them open. Let's see if they're any good. And we'll do it. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Oh, 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 This thing's loaded. Oh, oh, man. So, do you remember a long, long time ago when I had the Tiny Bomb from Wise Acre Brewing? Yes. And when I opened it, it exploded everywhere? Vaguely, yes. This one kind of did that too. Okay, so take a look at mine. Bro, that looks like high C. It does. So the smell smells like high C. It smells initially like just a standard sour and mm-hmm. then it transforms into fruit punch high C. Oh, dude, fruit punch high C is my childhood jam, just for the record. It reminds me of Hawaiian punch a little bit. Mm. Are those two familiar? Are those two the same? Like, yeah, they were they pretty similar? close to me. Yeah. So the orange high C is not as good as the fruit punch high C for the record. I'll go on the record as saying that. No, I'd agree with that. 
Fruit Punch is the superior high C drink. And Hawaiian it, Punch is... Man, if they had a Hawaiian Punch beer, I would probably drink that. <laughs> I bet so, I bet we could find one. That probably wouldn't be that difficult. Someone has done that, I'm sure. Somebody has somewhere. That's for sure. So, yeah, I mean, mine is this, yeah. looking like... This one is is all about regular. I mean, it's a it's a pale. Uh, looks like a pilsner. The, smells like a pilsner. Does it? I was about to say, does it smell like an IPA? It doesn't smell like an IPA, so that's good. It just, I mean, it just kind of has this just a generic beer smell to mm-hmm. it. So, man, I could just sit here and smell this thing. It smells <laughs> so good. Well, I'm hoping it's a five uh, five Luther for you. So, let's turn them up and drink them and see where they rate. Let's go. Bottoms up. Cheers. So I didn't tell you the weird thing about the packaging on this on this guy. Yeah, what's um, that? So the rings that hold the cans together mm-hmm. made of paper. I've or seen card- one of those or, or cardboard or something. Yeah, because they're eco friendly. Like, and then it's like it's then there's like glued to the cans. Yeah. So when I pulled it off, it was like it took a little extra oomph. They're trying to save the turtles, man. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I got sidetracked. I love it when you're in an office setting and someone's like, "Don't print a bunch of, don't print that thing a bunch of times." And it's like, but the, but the paper's already here. We're not saving any trees by not printing right now. <laughs> That's true. That is true. All right, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you marinate for a minute because I feel like I can do mine pretty quick tonight. Okay. Um, this is good. It it's. It is borderline almost IPA-ish. Um, it has like that the hoppy bitter aftertaste mm. almost of an IPA. It's definitely That's not disappointing. I, it is. I'll give it that. It's not an IPA. I mean, it's but it's like it's trying, it's it's like this is a wannabe. Mm. It's a wannabe IPA. The taste is pretty good. The aftertaste is not. Um the flavor has definitely got a, a rich Pilsner flavor. So, I'll, I mean, I'll give it that. The The taste and, and just kind of the overall flavor of it are good. The aftertaste is what makes me be like, oh, this really wants to be an IPA. So, it's like a baby IPA, maybe. Mm. But that's definitely going to hurt it in the rating category because I'm not a fan of IPAs. I don't like the aftertaste of IPAs. Um, Obviously, we banned them for clear... And, and present reasons. This is going to be, I'm, I'm going to be generous on this and I'm going to give this three Luthers. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like it might be a little bit worse than that. Um, I do have three more of these to drink. I'm not 100% certain how I feel about drinking three more, but it's just a, it's a decent, okay, not what I want to, not what I want to taste out of a beer. So I'm going to give it three Luthers. All right. So there's the uh there's the happy pills. They're not they're not really making me happy tonight. Um it is what it is, but there it is. So how's the high C punch? It is uh it's pretty good. Um there's a bready flavor in it I can't quite place. Um it's giving me almost like peanut butter jelly sandwich vibes again mm-hmm. without the peanut butter so i guess just a jelly sandwich um but it's um there are 
moments when you're drinking it where it tastes like high C. Like okay. The like the juice box. And then there's other moments where it's like, oh, this is definitely a sour ale. Like this is definitely beer. Mm-hmm. But it, it like it goes back and forth. It's really weird. Um the transition back like it goes it starts out as high C, transitions to sour, and then the aftertaste is high C again. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I, I really enjoy that the flavors they nailed it. Um yeah, they nailed it. This is five Luthers. All nice. day. Nice. All day, nice. twice on Sunday. Um this is a. Uh, I mean, if you had a fruit punch high C juice box at any point in your life, you know exactly what this tastes like. Yeah. And to me, and to me, this is this is feeling this is hitting all like the nostalgic notes too. Like mm-hmm. I have memories of taking high C juice boxes to school in a uh in my lunch bag because that's what like like I said my parents got that for us so mm-hmm. this is just taking me back to being like a kid which <laughs> I was looking back at it the last several episodes we've had like like we have a high C punch you had a rainbow sherbet uh-huh. um patches treat a few weeks ago like we've had a lot of like kid friendly like <laughs> like not kid friendly but like geared toward the nostalgia stuff happening the last few weeks if, if you're if you're a like early millennial slash late gen x guy all the things you grew up with <laughs> mm-hmm. they're coming in back they're coming back around in beer form which is fantastic see um that's called good beer marketing though i mean it actually is marketing in general that's how they're that's how they're doing things now mm-hmm I was like, oh, Toy Story came out in 1997. All those kids are now going to college. Well, let's make one where Andy goes to college. <laughs> True that. Anyway. Or let's make a beer based off of <laughs> something yeah. Toy Story related. <laughs> They'd figure out a way. So anyway, um, so <clears throat> Tripping Animals Brewing, getting five out of five on their high C punch for me tonight. And nice. Uh, B-R-L-O, Burlo. Did you say Burlo earlier? Burlo? I don't know. B-R-L-O is what it says on the website. So. I'm sure it stands for something, but we, anyway, they only get three out of five on their happy pills from Anthony. And there is our beer review for the week. What are we doing next? Next, we're going to dive into the Gospel of Mark. We are, we're going to set it up. We're going to do some orienting data. We're going to give you some advice. Um, We're going to kind of set up how we're going to walk through it. And we're going to do that the week after. Um, But stick around because we're going to introduce you to the book of Mark right after this break. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Beers and Bible Podcast. We are diving in to the Gospel of Mark. One second. Excuse me. So we're diving into the Gospel of Mark, and uh, tonight we're just going to um, 
we're basically splitting our discussion up into two weeks. We're going to uh, kind of lay the foundation with some orienting data for Mark so we get some context as to where we're going. And then also we're going to get the advice for how to read the book of Mark. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> let's roll. Uh, so uh, Mark is um story of Jesus that focuses primarily on his ministry in Galilee. Um, mm-hmm. About two-thirds of the book focuses on that. And then um, the last third um, talks about uh, Passion Week, talks about the last week of Jesus' life leading up to, crucif- to the crucifixion and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, the author is anonymous. Um, weird to say, I know, because we say the gospel according to Mark. But um, uh, Papias in 125 AD attributes Papias. Uh, Papias. Man, <laughs> always takes na- you two tries. <laughs> it always does, man. Mark it's the was same easy. guy from last week. <laughs> Is it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it last week, so I wasn't. Pay- I guess I wasn't paying any attention. Anyway, um, Papias um, attributes uh, this gospel to John Mark uh, around 125 AD. Uh, John Mark was a sometime companion of Paul and mm-hmm. Peter. Um, um, according to Papias, um, uh, the book of the Gospel of Mark was written possibly around 65 AD, um, mm-hmm. but really, uh, scholars are divided as to when it was written. It could have been written yeah. earlier. Um, not really sure. There's no, there's no clear like this is when it was written. Um, but according yeah. to Papias, it was written soon after the deaths of Paul and Peter in yeah. Rome. So there's a there's a guy named Gary Habermas who has done a lot of pretty extensive work on like the historicity of the gospels themselves. Mm-hmm. And um between his work and a guy named Gregory Kokel, um, they actually assert that that there are transcripts of the Gospel of Mark that date as early as um the 30s and possibly even into the late 20s, um, which would be, I mean, you figure Jesus was crucified in 33 AD. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's it's entirely and and this it, when we get to talking about the the end of Mark specifically, you know, Mark is the one that that contains like the last final section that that a lot of scholars are like, well, this isn't in the earliest manuscripts, and then there's later manuscripts that do contain it. And so we don't there's there's divided scholarship on it. And so what that does for us though, as as New Testament readers now, is it says, okay, well, there's there's at least bare minimum, there's partial versions of Mark that date earlier to 65. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we when we talk about, you know, Papias saying that this is a, a gospel 65 and on, well, it's entirely possible that he's talking about the completed gospel. Right, you know, yeah. um, there's por- there's portions of it that uh, could potentially date earlier. That's and that right. would make sense because whoever wrote it would have presumably been writing it at the time that Jesus was alive and doing the things that that's right. are talked about in the book yeah. of Mark. And, and we're going to get to some of this in the advice. I, I wanted to I wanted to make sure I set that up now because we're going to talk about some of this when we get to the advice of it. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's just because the gospel, and, and again, the gospel is an eyewitness testimony. And so just because it was written 10 to 15 years after, or even 20 years after the death of Christ, doesn't mean 
that it wasn't an eyewitness gospel. Right. Because that's what a lot yeah. of textual critics, they'll be like, oh, well, the gospel was written 40 years after he died. Okay. Well, um, you know, do you believe biographies that are written about people 100 years after they die? Or do you believe... Right. You know, they're... Yeah. There's there's a lot of things that go into literary criticism and textual criticism and and when you when you apply those across the board you have to discount a lot the way that people want to apply it to the Bible you have to discount a lot of other things that have been written in literary genres so yeah so just kind of tossing that out there anyway carry on carry on with uh with the emphases all right <laughs> well actually I'm gonna I'm gonna back up one uh back up a little bit so yeah the recipients here. Um, is the church in Rome according again according to Papias? Yeah. So, um, and that really helps explain uh, how the gospel is so well preserved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you also have like Matthew and Luke are also preserved because the recipients are the church in Rome. So, um, anyway, so now we can talk about the emphases. Um, uh, so there's really five main emphasis here in the Gospel of Mark. Um, we're going to see that God's kingdom has come with um, the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to see that Jesus has brought about um, a new exodus that was promised in the book of Isaiah, mm -hmm. um, which his contemporaries would have known about, would have known by mm -hmm. memory, I assume. Um, uh, we're going to see that the kingly Messiah has come really in weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, and his identity has been kept a secret except to those to whom it's been revealed. Um, mainly the 12 and, and select others. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, that's the next thing I skipped ahead. Um, and then, <laughs> um, and then we're going to see that, uh, discipleship is taking up a cross, um, to, to follow Jesus, like mm -hmm. true discipleship is taking up your cross. Um, and really those are the main emphasis of the book of Mark. So, yeah. um, that sets us up for the advice. So why don't we roll right on into it? Yeah. So when we read the gospel of Mark, <clears throat> there's, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like focus on Mark for a second and then I'm going to spread out to like all the gospels and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to focus on Mark because Mark is, is really Mark is a, is a di Well, I say this, all the gospels are unique in their own way, but Mark kind of has this very, very special uniqueness. If, if I can say it that way. So um, number one, uniquely is, unique, uniquely unique. There you go. So Mark is written as in as this like intense, rapid fire, like story after story after story. Um, we're going to see this in the use of uh, Mark saying or or in in the writing, it says and and then and immediately. If you read through it, notice, you know, pick up it's those are the things that you don't pick up when you're just kind of like randomly reading or if you like pick up and read one chapter or something. But if you read Mark beginning to end it is it almost reads like this huge giant run-on sentence and the the best way i can think of this uh telling the story is like this is literally like uh telling a story without taking a breath you, you've met that person who's just like and then this and then this and then this and, the, and it's like they never stop 
and you're trying to follow their train of thought, but it's like they're moving so fast that you can't really grasp what they're what they're talking about until you slow down and listen and then go back and kind of almost like recount their their stories in your head. That's almost what it's like reading Mark. Uh, okay. And uh and this like this literary style to me, and, and this is like this is a personal observation that I'm gonna throw out here, but this literary style is almost like a movie, okay? Um, because especially when you think about a movie that that's two hours long, but it has to tell a story that might be five or ten years long. And so it's gonna be this this rapid fire of scenes that happen, and it's like the key points of scenes that go on and and the point is to to paint this this storyline, this this picture, this plot, this context. Um, and so when we think about this literary style, this movie type literary style in ancient times, there was this there was this genre they called them lives or lives or you know it's it's a it's a real action oriented movie that's that's happening. So in recent New Testament scholarship, when we talk about things that have happened maybe in the last three to four decades. Um, they've really come to classify this and they call it um, Greco-Roman biography. Okay. So a Greco-Roman biography is very similar to this ancient style of, of lives literary style. Okay. The point of this is to tell a story about a protagonist. And of course, if you have a protagonist, you have an antagonist. But this, the point is to tell the story of the protagonist and to invite the person who's either observing or hearing or reading that story to become a part of the same message. Okay. So this is an invitation to not just like, not just separate yourself and read it or, or observe it, but to actually become a part of the story. Now Hmm. think about that implication for Christians today. As you read the gospel of Mark, it's, you're invited to be pulled into the story of Jesus. Listen to his miracles, see his miracles, see how he interacts, respond. You know, that's it's it's it is an invitation to join the story. And what are Christians right. supposed to be other than imitators of Christ? So p- put that in your mind as we as we talk through this in in this week and the next week. So in this style, in this Greco-Roman uh, biography, this lives as we, as we would think about it. This is an invitation about, this is a story of Jesus and it's an invitation for those who believe and keep in mind in Mark, he's, he's being very, he is being very secretive about things. He's saying, you know, don't tell these people or don't do that or don't do this. Of course, people go out and do it anyway. But the point is Jesus is trying to kind of He's trying to corral or maintain in some aspects his who he is as as the kingly messiah. And and so as Christians we're invited to be a part of that narrative. Okay? So in all of this, in this literary style, in this structure, Mark makes a few key theological points. Okay? He has a couple of theological insights that we that we really need to kind of be able to identify, observe, um, notice throughout the text. One of them is that Jesus is the kingly Messiah. Okay. Uh, obviously this is from, you know, we can pull this from Matthew as well. Jesus is coming as the Messiah. He's, 
Israel's deliverer, but not only is he Israel's deliverer, he's the he's the one who's going to pay the penalty for sin. Okay, so he's mm-hmm. he is the Messiah. Okay, the other kind of theological point is that he's God's suffering servant, and uh, and so if if he's the suffering servant, then then he's going to be pointed to as the one who who basically pays the price for the for the things that we have done. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's the suffering servant. Tie that back to Isaiah chapter 52, 53. Um, and then, and then the kind of final theological point, which to me is really, really interesting. Um, but it's that Jesus wanted to keep his identity. And you mentioned this, he wanted to keep his identity secret. He didn't broadcast to every single person that he came in contact with that he was this kingly Messiah, that he was a suffering servant. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like, I am this, I am that. It was this very, like, the the people who he chose to reveal this to were a very select group of people. Yeah. They were chosen, and, and in many in many of the words, you're going you're gonna to see that they were um, appointed by God or that God made this this certain thing happen or or um you know it's 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 a very it's it's I hate to say it this way but it's almost like a club a a, a club of people who have been chosen to have these identity or these secrets revealed to them okay mm-hmm. um because what that what that makes me sound like is it makes me sound like I'm a Calvinist well I may have Calvinistic sympathies, um, but I also have some disagreements with Calvinists, so I don't classify myself as a Calvinist. You know, if I were to talk to somebody on the street, they would probably be like, oh, you're a Calvinist. And I'd be like, eh, that's possible. But but I think it's interesting that Jesus kept his identity secret for a purpose. It doesn't necessarily give us that reason in the Gospel of Mark, but it does mm-hmm. definitely portray that Jesus wanted to keep his identity secret for whatever reason he's God. He can do whatever he wants to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's not our place to figure out why he did that, but just right. to acknowledge the fact that he did do that, I think is enough to justify what's going on in the text. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's some key theological insights and then kind of building on that, we're going to use this, this suffering Messiah theme uh, Mark is going to use this in order to connect Jesus's story to the story of Israel. Okay. Now we talked about Matthew and how Matthew really kind of brought out the Messiah aspect of Jesus. And that was kind of, I guess you could say targeted at Israel. And so they, they, a lot of times they refer to Matthew as being the gospel intended for the Israelites. Now we've talked about, you know, none of these gospels are really, identified as this is for that this is for you know this group this is for this group it's we can we can kind of draw judgments but th- again these are just estimated these are guesses these are educated guesses that we're making as mm-hmm. textual critics 2000 years r- removed from the actual text okay so right. it's so, not it's not like when paul writes and he's writing to exactly. the corinthians to the galatians to exactly. the ephesians you know, yeah. These are open-ended. A lot of the Gospels are open-ended. You know, they may have a purpose that we can identify through the text, but we don't 100% know that. So we shouldn't be like, this is the authoritative, you know, thing of Matthew, and this is the authoritative 
purpose of Mark and the authoritative. Wait, hold on. So, so what you're saying is where the Bible doesn't like state clearly, we shouldn't step in and say, this is what the Bible clearly says. We Uh, shouldn't do that. Yes. That's a factual statement. What? Where the Bible is clear, be clear. Where the Bible is not clear, keep your mouth shut. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, (laughs) I'm just wanting to clarify. Just clarify. This clarification. Clarification is good. So Mark definitely has this theme that ties it to the story of Israel. He ties Jesus to the story of Israel. But at the exact same time, Mark incorporates non-Galilean and translate that Gentile narratives to kind of paint this larger picture. So Mm -hmm. he's definitely tying it to Israel, but like Matthew, he's also definitely tying it to the Gentiles. And, Hmm. you know, this is going to be, this is going to be really important when we get to the letters of Paul and we get to the rest of the new Testament, because Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And so Mm -hmm. Paul is also a Jew, a Roman citizen who's this, this like, corridor from the Jewish Gospels, I'm going I'm to air quote that, the Jewish Gospels tying them to the Gentile world. Because Jesus is not just the Savior of the Jews, he's also the Savior mm-hmm. of the Gentiles. Right. And so there, there is this constant expanding of what we know as God's kingdom through the Gospel of Mark. It's not just that God's people are the Jewish people. It's that God's people are Jews and Gentiles. Do you think that the need to mention that both in so far we're two for two in the New Testament with them, like saying that Jesus is for both like Jew, Jew and Gentile. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Do you think that's because like, like the Jewish people, like I, I understand, like culturally, like Jew and Gentile didn't mix. Like mm-hmm. I understand that. But like, do you think like Jews almost had like this air about them? That was like, well, we're God's people, so you know we're better than y'all or whatever. Yeah. And and now now so far in the New Testament, we're seeing that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles, and it's for anyone who would believe. Um, so it just, it just feels like by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, like the authors here are making sure to point out, Hey, like, Hey, you Jew, Jews got, or that was, that was almost bad. Um, Jews, it's not just for you. Gentiles Mm -hmm. is not just for you. Like the gospels for everybody. Like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So, as we walk through the Gospels, we're going to continue to see that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, we as we, we read the Gospels and we see that, and then Paul is going to continue to make that point that, you know, God's people is not a, a, quote, ethnic people. It's not the Jewish people like the Old Testament you know, right. You, you you in the Old Testament you kind of had to join the nation. It, it was it was it was that bare minimum was an ethnic identity. Yeah, that that division is gone. Yeah. With the coming of Jesus. Like that That's division right. of you know 
you've got to be a certain you've got to be a certain culture or certain mm-hmm. kind to in order to be God's people like that's gone like anyone who hears the gospel and responds to it can be, be can become part of God's nation yeah. exactly so there you go, there you go. so we're, we're seeing how Mark is going to tie this to the Gentiles as well and and we definitely want to take that into our understanding of how we read the gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So when we when we break down Mark, we're going to break this down into four points. I want you to walk us through these points because yeah, um, as we talk through these, this is going to be what we expand on next week when we when we walk through the the chapters and the verses of the book of Mark. So take yeah. us through our four major parts that we're going to get in in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So um, the first part is that Jesus is presented. Uh, in public, uh, to the public, he goes public with the announcement of the kingdom. Um, throughout the the Gospel of Mark, we see like this rapid fire um, recollection of stuff of mm-hmm. events, and it's going to continue here. Like very quickly, Jesus calls out demons, calls out calls his disciples, drives out demons, heals the sick, and announces that it all has to do with uh, the coming of God's rule. So. Yeah. Like it all happens very quickly. Like this is only a couple of chapters, um, and then the second part, um, we see like this development of the crowds, um, disciples, and the opposition. This is going to be the main plot of like the the lives or the movie that Anthony was talking about earlier. Um, you know, Jesus's miracles and teaching they're going to amaze those that hear and see and and he's going to draw in these large crowds. Um, mm-hmm. But then we're going to see like more intimate settings with the disciples where they get private instruction. Um, but, and you know, they get this private instruction, but they're slow to understand what Jesus is doing and what Jesus yeah. is saying. Like it, it sometimes feels like Jesus have to tell them, tell them over and over again, like, no, this is what this means. And they're like, yeah, what do you mean? No, this is what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then we see the continuing opposition mount and build up. Um, and then the uh, third part here um, really does focus on the disciples. Jesus's attention is primarily on uh, the twelve disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, he explains the nature of his kingship three times here, and then it, that goes even further um, into d- uh, explaining what discipleship is and what discipleship looks like, um, and. And Jesus is on his way to the cross at this point. Like that's yeah. it's coming soon. Um, and three times the disciples completely miss what Jesus is even talking about. Like shocker. Gosh, <laughs> it's so easy to look back and be like, nah, those disciples are so dumb, but I'm sure like we, you and I, Anthony would be in the same boat. Like, oh, it'd, absolutely. It'd be like, Oh Jesus, what are you talking about? talking about temples being brought down and raised up on the three days. Like that don't make no sense. What are you talking about? Yeah. And you know, sometimes I think it's so easy for us to like try to put ourselves in the disciple shoes and be like, Oh, we'd never do that, but we do it all Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. We, we we do that stuff, that kind of stuff all the time. We doubt we don't understand or misunderstand or, or, um, you know, whatever it may be. And we are no different than the 12 disciples. They they were sinners just the same as us. They had struggles just the same as us. 
the only difference between them and us is that they physically walked and talked and saw and witnessed Jesus do miraculous things. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw him crucified. They saw him uh, resurrected. They saw him ascend. Like that's really the only difference between us and the disciples. Yeah. So don't like, I don't know. Don't put yourself don't, up. On don't a pedestal. be holier than thou. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't put yourself up on a pedestal thinking that, well, because you have hindsight that the disciples didn't have because all their stuff is written down. Yeah. Um, or, or the thing from last them. week, don't be a jack wagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so disciples get a lot of focus on the third part here. And then, um, part four, ramps up uh, pat the week of passion um and really the climax of of the book mm-hmm. um the king enters jerusalem crowds go crazy and within a week uh the opposition seems to win jesus yeah. puts jesus put on trial he's found guilty um turned over to the romans for execution um and then there's this really brief like eight verse epilogue at the very end mm-hmm that like the the gospel of mark reminds the readers that jesus has risen like there doesn't seem to be a ton of focus on like the resurrection and the aftermath yeah like 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 and it, it not like matthew does and not like luke is going to portray right and it, and it's but it's on brand for mark he's 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 moving he's booking yeah. <laughs> he's got things to do and people to see and and gospel to proclaim so um so yeah that's that's how we'll break it up next week well those are there's really the main four parts in that little brief epilogue at the end yeah. um but that's the that, that we're now we're set up for when we come back next week to to do a deep dive yep so we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to pause here and want you to get prepared for the the Gospel of Mark, walking through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, it'll be a good time. It's it's uh, it's a really fun gospel to read. You know, it's it's funny because in my in like my daily Bible reading, I've actually been reading in the Gospel of Mark and I'm going to finish it up in like the next four or five days. Um, but man, I just, you know, every time I read the Gospel of Mark, it's like, you, you read it over and over. It's one of those, like I said, it, I compared it to a movie, but it's it's one of those movies that I love watching over and over and over again because it's like every time you read it, you see something just a little bit different about it, you know, each time you read it. And so it's it's really is the story that just kind of keeps on giving. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a great it's a great gospel. It's it has its it definitely has its purpose, has its intent. And uh, and so I'm excited to dive dive into it a little bit heavier next week. So, anything else you want to add to that? I don't think so. I think that's good. But um, Anthony, would you pray for us before Absolutely. we get out of here? I would love to. Let's pray. Let's do it. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for an opportunity to sit down and and just kind of prepare our minds, prepare our minds for your word. Uh, we look forward to diving into this book, uh, the Gospel of Mark, next week, and uh, and I pray that you would uh, continue to build in us, build in us uh, a, a longing, a hunger to understand your word, to know your word, to thirst after your word, um, and God, that we would uh, not take this uh, this lightly, God, but we would study and we would understand and we would 
try to grasp the deep things of your word as well. And so I know that as we walk through this, we're, we're giving overviews and we're kind of hitting the high points. And, and so, God, I pray that it would not end uh, with us and it would not end with our listeners, God, that it wouldn't it wouldn't be just let's hit the high points, but let's dive deep into the text and let's learn what's there and, and, and what Scripture has to teach us about our daily lives and how we can live and how we can understand your gospel and the way that your gospel can affect and and uh, change our lives and that we would take that story, we would take that gospel to the world. I uh, pray that you would affect us in that way. And so, God, uh, as we wrap it up tonight, I pray that you would give us um, good understanding that we can be prepared, we can understand, and we can know your word. And I pray that your word would be a blessing to our lives, that we can display that blessing to the world around us. And we pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if people wanted to reach the Beers and Bible podcast on social media platforms, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Facebook by, so I got that out of order. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Um, we're at Beers and Bible P1. And then you can also email us at Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Any comments, questions, um, things we got right, things we got wrong, beer suggestions, we, you can hit us up on any and all of those. Um, and we would love to uh, chat with you. There you go. So until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we'll see you later. Peace out.